Well, well, hello. Hey, it's me, Chance. And thanks for listening to us discuss the idea that straight white guys are allegedly marginalized. I know, right? When are straight white men finally going to get a fair shot? I hope you also check out a supplement to this conversation, my interview with Dr. Michael Kimmel from 2019, about his book, Angry White Men, Masculinity at the End of an Era. And next week, we're going to be talking about the practice of redlining, which was a perfectly legal practice in the 1950s and 60s by banks and mortgage companies, where they refused to give a loan or insurance to someone based off of where they lived in an area deemed to be a poor financial risk. So as you can imagine, that that was a big hindrance to minorities who were trying to get out of the the ghetto and impoverished areas and, and move into the suburbs. You know, I don't ask for anything other than for you to rate and review punk journalism on iTunes and or Spotify, preferably favorably, LOL. It says LOL here. Am I supposed to say LOL or am I actually supposed to laugh out loud? (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also check out punk-journalism.com. <laughs> I'm there. Okay. It always takes me a couple tries to get get like the first half of paragraph out. But... All right, so <laughs> all right, so I'm here with my friends Ricky and Chris. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yeah. So, Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys got the chance to listen to the podcast that I sent you that I did about a year and a half ago with Michael Kimmel. He was the best-selling author of Angry White Men: Masculinity at the End of an Era. Were you guys mm-hmm. able to listen to that? Yes. All right. Uh, I didn't, but we talked a lot about it. Yeah. Well, so this is going to be kind of a follow-up to that and sort of like a supplement to what he and I talked about in the content of his book. A lot of it based off of just recent experiences I've had and observations that I've made of, I don't know if you call it a phenomenon, but kind of just this new, it's not even that new. It's just this this uh, sort of concept of, of men straight white men being the new uh, marginalized demographic, at least, you know, as they would say, that they're they're the, the more oppressed group because of uh, attention being put on, on other minority groups and marginalized groups. So we're going to discuss why that is, as us being uh, straight white guys. You're, I mean, you're, I still don't know what kind of brown you are, Ricky. Are you technically white? <laughs> I mean, if you want to full genetic breakdown i've never really got it 23 it's been me, a mystery i am i'm 20 um 70 scottish okay that's pretty 20 percent native american and the rest of it's just kind of like a mix of uh central american and okay. eastern european or and, and european that's cool shit. like i didn't want to say like i just didn't want to paint a broad brush and, and say that we're all straight white guys because because i don't know if we're all technically white because you are a pretty dark guy but yeah, well, you know, that makes attitude sense. has a lot to do with that. Yeah, and and I was I was in the Marine Corps, so there was definitely some questionable stuff there that may make me not like completely straight. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Were you on a ship? Yeah. Uh, a couple times, man. Yeah, and, and the, the saying was always, you know, it was acceptable. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what happens on the ship stays on the ship. <laughs> it, it, correct. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess uh, just more recently, what kind of made me, you know, my mind on the subject 
as much as it has been. I've kind of been uh, made it a goal to have a new resolution to find ways to discuss these controversial topics with people less abrasively or less confrontationally. And that's been really hard for me. That's definitely been a challenge. I've not really been successful at it so far. Uh, so not let my ego get in the way. Uh, most of the time, I just want to say, like, when I hear people say things that I think are fucking dumb, I just want to be like, I'm, are you a fucking idiot? And then, and I guess in my mind, I feel like I'm I'm doing them a service or I'm, I'm helping this person by pointing out how fucking dumb the thing is that they're doing or saying. And so somehow that's going to, I don't know, shame them into taking a different attitude or approach when more than likely a person like that, you know, even in my own experience, they're probably just going to be like, well, that guy's a fucking asshole. I'm just going to do the exact opposite of what he wants me to do. And I'm going to dig my heels even, even further into the ground. So I'm working on that just because I, you know, just like they say, you attract more bees with, with honey than vinegar. Right. So, but I, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of hard uh, right now in this like post Trump America uh, to be like that. I, I feel like, um, it's really hard. I mean, I, I'm kind of playing my hand, I guess, on uh, my my political affiliations, but I feel like it's really hard when you have a demographic of people that you just can't talk to about logical things. Like yeah. they are in your face about what their beliefs are, about how you're wrong, about how you're the problem with America. And it's really hard when you get people like that, even if they're not directing, you know, the, their tangent at you. It's really hard to. Uh, I, I would think in this post America, this post Trump America, it's very hard to uh, have those conversations and not get riled up because he did such a good job riling up his base, right, and now yeah. they get riled up. And I mean, I, f I feel like the every action is going to have a reaction, and that, that's kind of what it is. So I, I agree with it. I think that that's a very smart way to play it, but it's, it's just it's really very challenging. Difficult. Yeah, at and I the, think uh, at the base of it, what you're doing when you talk to somebody about this topic who is a member or a participant of this topic is uh, you're essentially attacking what makes them who they are. They are an angry white man or angry white person. Um, and when you say, hey, look, you are this and it's disagreeable, you're telling them that they are disagreeable and that inherently brings conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it also, I think, matters a great deal in the environment that you're in. So... Sure. Myself, for example, I, I'm a full-time military member, so I spend a lot of my time in an environment that's very, very masculine, heavy. Um, it's a male-dominant environment. So, And then also, too, you know, like, I don't want to say politically, but ideologically, a lot of those those types of people lean a certain way. You know, they're, they tend to be pretty conservative people. So um, there was something that somebody told me that I'm going to bring up here in just a moment that really got on my nerves and got under my skin a, a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't do a good job of approaching it with, you know, more of a diplomatic way. And I was confrontational. And later on, there was a, a, a guy in my leadership that I saw who I know is a progressive guy. And I just pulled him aside. and I was like, Hey man, like you strike me as a pretty progressive guy, you know, and you've been here longer than I have. Like, how do you deal with, having to listen to like dumb fucking rednecks all the time and uh again like that's me being very like just abrasive about it in course and you know he's he said like you know when you when these kind of subjects come up because in my mind when 
I think that there is some truth to the statement, you know, don't bring up politics and religion around around polite company because, you know, that that makes people uncomfortable. And I think the biggest reason for that is, is like if you don't want to talk about those things, and you don't want to be challenged. Don't bring it up. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume if you want to talk about it, you're inviting scrutiny and you're you're saying, hey, you know, like I'm talking about something controversial. So I'm you know, I'm I'm ex- I'm willing to be challenged. So when I was talking to this guy and I said, you know, like, how do you deal when you when you hear such ignorant things or comments? Like, how do you not just be like, hey, man, are you a fucking idiot? Like, why do you think that? And he says, you know, like, again, <laughs> you know, you're not going to you're not going to change any minds by taking that approach. So he's like, what I do is I say, so why do you think that? Like, you know, you're general, generally curious. You have a general curiosity. Um and, you know, your body language is going to come across differently. Just, you know, why do you think that? Why why do you think such and such thing? And maybe in that way you can be more uh, approachable and you can have a conversation that will ultimately lead to maybe, you know, somebody thinking twice about what their perspective is. Yeah, I've heard that same thing be said for, like, uh, sexual assault, you know, or sexually uh, har- harassable comments, I guess. You'd be like, I don't get that. Why do you, why do you, you know, why do you think that? And then they explain it, they explain themselves and then they, you know, realize, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of like the, uh, one of the biggest uh, elements of the conversation that I want to have with you guys is I've found that in these very male dominant environments that because I share demographics with these people, like I'm a straight white guy, they're all straight white guys. So it's interesting how they feel comfortable saying like this, the things that they do very ignorant things around me because they assume oh that guy's a straight white guy too like i can say ignorant shit around him and it's gonna be fine like he's not mm-hmm. he's he's in my camp he's not gonna and you know and the whole time i'm thinking is like who the fuck do you think i am that like i'm okay with with you saying you know like man i wish i was a cop in the 70s because you could get away with shooting anybody back then which is something somebody very candidly said in front of me yeah uh yeah go ahead chris I, 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 it's just, it's like, you, you really do want to just say like, what, like, what is wrong with you? Like, were you abused as a child? Like, like, is there, somebody drop you on your head? <clears throat> is there a reason for, uh, your mental shortcomings or why you cannot think through this critically? And I think, uh, kind of going back to what Ricky said, like you attach your identity to those two those two things, religion and politics, and you, you kind of attach yourself to your views too. That's why they are your views uh, is because they're your deep seated beliefs and your worldview and how you perceive your reality. And I think that it's really hard and uh, you know, kind of everything that I've been through in my life, it's really difficult with a lot of the situations that I've been through, but you're honestly not going to get anywhere just by telling that person they're stupid. They're, it's they're they're not going to open their mind and they're not going to think critically if you tell them that they're incapable of you know processing a yeah. rational thought. Well, and I think it's just speaking for myself, I have to be honest with myself a lot of the times and when I engage in these discussions that often will turn into confrontations like I have to think am I arguing with this person or or am I arguing with myself 10 years ago? Because like like I didn't come out of the womb just like fucking enlightened and woke and shit. Like, like I, I know that like 10, you know, no, no less than 10 years ago, I probably would have agreed with, with most of these guys' perspectives. And, 
And, you know, I thought the same ignorant shit that they did. And I think that a lot of the time I, I think back to that time and I'm kind of ashamed and embarrassed that I, I was like that. So I think a lot of, when I hear what they're saying, it, it kind of triggers me to remember like, man, was I, did I fucking think that? And like, I didn't really like the person I was then. So it's like, you kind of Absolutely. find, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. You, you and I, I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to touch on no, that man. while you were there. You and I come from a very similar, uh, you know, past as far as, uh, in regards to our, uh, worldviews and political leanings. <clears throat> when I was in the Marine Corps and after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I was very conservative. And I remember the 2008, uh, election and when Barack Obama became president, I mean, I was like dead set that, uh, Barack Obama was going to take everybody's guns. So I was like, I was literally the Trump supporter, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. 10 years ago. That was me a decade ago. Right. And, and as you go and as you ask these questions and you start to uh, use your ability to critical of critical thinking, uh, I feel like you can kind of figure that out. But it, it is a journey and you do have to step back and understand, like, especially for us is like we were sucked in. Uh, to that like we went down that rabbit hole of, of kind of craziness because uh, it wasn't it's not just conservatism you know what I mean it, it's always something to go with it like this crazy conspiracy theory or the elitist it's not just always one thing like uh, so you and I have that same experience so I think that that gives a lot of insight into understanding kind of what these uh, types of individuals are thinking or where they're coming from mm-hmm yeah, and what would you say your aha moment was, Chris? Like that kind of snapped you out of that thinking. My aha moment was through the, um, I would say about 2013, 2014 timeframe, um, and, and we're we're obviously into, <clears throat> excuse me, we're obviously into Barack Obama's second term. By this point, um, you know, obviously Barack Obama, you know, President Obama. I should stop saying that. President Obama hasn't taken anyone's guns. Uh, and, and you just sit back and watch the class uh, that I, he brought to that office. And it really, to me, just watching uh, President Obama was was kind of how I, I changed courses. You know, every people on this side of the aisle are saying all of these things that this man is actually doing and doing it with class and he's being attacked. And, and that's kind of the, you know, when I dove not only into that aspect of it, but then you know, the, the, the atrocities of institutional racism in this country and just going mm -hmm. from there. So, yeah, I, uh, joking aside, I was the same boat. You guys were man. active duty, uh, for me, was like my twenties, right. That was almost two decades ago now. And, uh, I was in the same boat. I mean, I was doing same shit, same stuff you guys are talking about. Uh, I voted for Bush both times and, you know, I would have, uh, if I had stayed in the South and stayed in active duty, I probably would have voted for um, whoever whoever Obama ran against. I forget now. It's McCain. Oh, uh, you had McCain and, and Romney. Yeah. McCain. And then Mitt Romney. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember voting again. I remember. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Um, what changed it for me really was just getting out of that full-time military lifestyle and getting out of that full-time uh just you know those those echo chambers of oh yeah he's gonna do this oh yeah he's gonna do that you know mm -hmm. you know it <clears throat> i had sort of an epiphany when i was still in college i was at the gym one time and i actually was in the sauna and i don't even remember how it came up but 
the only two people in there were me and another guy who was Marine, and he said he, he had done about four tours overseas. And gosh, wow. I, I don't even remember how the conversation came up about talking about this subject, but he said that he very vividly remembers when they would be in the in the dining hall and every single TV was like Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Bill O'Reilly or whatever. And he said he was just watching everybody around him just fucking seething, just like getting all like worked up, like, yeah, let's go out there and fucking kill them all. And and he said that he just saw that he was able to kind of step outside of himself and look at that situation on the outside looking in and just see it for the toxic thing that it was. And just, you know, and I guess that's where I'm at now is like the way that they whip people into a frenzy by really um, playing into those very low consciousness sort of just, you know, base emotions, just like lizard brain shit, you know? Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but going back to the book, uh, uh, Angry White Men from Michael Kimmel, when I, when I interviewed him, and I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm paraphrasing, he said something along the lines of, it does us, liberals, no good to demean and put down people who have ignorant perspectives. And so, I mean, he, he's right along. I mean, he did a lot of case studies when he was writing that book as he was trying to talk to people who had these sort of perspectives and, and be empathetic and understand where they were coming from. Um, mm -hmm. And I said a few weeks ago when we recorded, Ricky, I said that I think that it's counterproductive to treat all sides of an argument as equally valid and therefore every, you know, every perspective needs uh, the same microphone pretty much. Sure. So that's what I guess I've just been trying to find a more constructive way to approach this. Like, and I, I've just come to the point where you have to meet them at their level. In fact, while it's easy to be combative, like I said before, you just, I think that you just reinforce those perspectives when you're flippant with them. And well, uh, I think when, when you're, when you're like that with them, you don't reinforce those perspectives. You reinforce the us against them perspective. Yeah, you totally. Know? Yeah. You, you say you're, you're, you're abusive or you're, you know, you know, why the fuck do you think that you idiot? Yeah. Right. And, uh, all that does is be like, see all those fucking liberals yeah. all think they're better than us. Yeah. So, and I'll give you an example. And this is kind of, this was the thing that gave me the motivation to get into this topic. The conversation that I, with the guy at work that I mentioned before, um, we'd gotten on the topic of star Wars somehow. And he's like, Oh, star Wars. Don't even get me started on star Wars. I don't even, you know, I don't even want to go there. And I'm like, yeah, I think that you do. And I'm thinking this and I'm like, what's going on with Star Wars? And he's like, well, you haven't heard the latest and greatest of the new characters that they brought in. And I'm like, no, what? And he's like, they're, they're like two new characters. And guess what? They're both trans, non-binary, whatever. And he's like, I'm just not playing the game anymore. I'm just done. I'm just done with it. And, you know, at that point, that should have been my... That was my chance to be like, oh, well, you know, why do you feel that way? Like, why do you feel so repelled by it? But instead, I chose the, you know, the low road and was confrontational. And I said, uh, oh, it sounds like you're kind of triggered right now, like a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> and see, like, to you guys. That's my favorite. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you guys, I know, like, you guys would appreciate that. But I don't need to change your guys' minds or perspectives. So, Absolutely. so again, like, you know, that was it. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a snowflake. I'm just not playing the game. And I just hung up on him. And so, like, I'm sure, like you said, I got off the phone call with him, and I guarantee fucking tea. He said to all of his buddies, like, oh, there's no fucking snowflake, you know, triggered or whatever. So, um, so then, so I posted a, I made a rant talking about that on Facebook, and I posted it up there, a video. 
And so I'm going to read to you a uh, response that I got from somebody. And he says, you know, it's a, it's in a few paragraphs, so I'll just address each paragraph individually. Uh, so it starts with, wait, seriously, the thing that you had to get off your chest, in parentheses, triggered you, was that someone else was triggered? Is it lost on you, the hypocrisy of shaming these guys for complaining about something so trivial, quote unquote? Because as you say, there are more important things they should be spending their time and energy on. Meanwhile, you are complaining about people complaining. Way to show your privilege. <laughs> so in a nutshell, my answer to that, a few years ago, a guy that I used to work with who's a lieutenant colonel and also an airline pilot now posted something complaining about a non-binary restroom in the airport. And I replied with, you know, never again has there been a greater form of suffrage than a straight white guy having to acknowledge a non-gender bathroom. So it's like, <laughs> can't you see how silly you sound? Like, you sound like such a pussy, you know? Like, you sound right. like a triggered little snowflake, like the same people that you have such a beef against. And, you know, so me being triggered because someone else is triggered, as he says, is because as long as people like this exist and maintain this pers this perspective and this outlook they're creating an environment where people aren't allowed to be comfortable who they are which isn't a coincidence that at work i still hear stuff from you know my friends who are lgbtq in that community and still haven't come out of the closet at work because i still i don't think they feel comfortable because people like this still create an environment where all right well i guess i'm still not welcome i'm not welcome to to be who i'm who I am. Um, so whereas more progressive folks like us lose ground with people like this in a very, from a very fundamental issue, people like us know that by and large, not identifying with a binary is something biological. It's not something that you choose. It's not just a fashion statement, but people like the guys that we're talking about, they are coming from a point of view that people are doing this to get attention and it's like in vogue, it's fashionable, it's made up, something, something just to be, you know, a snowflake. Why? I suppose maybe it's because it's relatively new topic of discussion and controversy, but that's not because trans people themselves are new. Like these people have existed as prevalently and as large of numbers as they always have, but it's just now that it's gotten to a point of relative comfort where they can start to come out and, and be themselves and express themselves without having to worry as much for their safety. And I stress as much, just like gay people, mm -hmm. there's not, there's not been an influx of gay people in recent years. It's just become more acceptable for these people within the LGBTQ community to come out and be less fearful for repercussions. So if you're truly of the mindset that this is something that's made up or it's just, you know, a, a fashion statement or whatever, then you're going to be frustrated with Hollywood and the media in general who are attempting to normalize it. So until you lose that point of view, there's little that anyone can do to convince you otherwise. You know, and they, those people have to have their own aha moments like we did, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's just, <clears throat> um, anything. I got a friend who's recently coming out of Mormonism, you know, and he's been a Mormon his whole life. Um, and excuse me if this is, if anybody here is religious, but, uh, no, you can see what you, know, you gotta, you gotta have that aha moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
I, I absolutely agree. I, I wanted to go back and touch on one thing, like yeah. maybe sacrilegious because I'm not like a big Star Wars guy, but like, aren't like all of the characters, how do you explain any of them, their genders or anything? Like what's Jabba the Hutt? Is there a gender there? Like what is, you know, like, <laughs> like, like to just get upset about like a character that they specifically made this way. It's like, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I've seen the movies, dude. But, like, there's a lot of crazy characters just from, you know, like, my first glance. I don't dive into the story there. But, like, like tell me what Jar Jar Binks is, dude. You know what I mean? So, yeah. How uh, does a Sarlacc reproduce? Come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're, 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 he's going out of his way to look look for something to be offended right. about. Yeah. And he and, – and, and I feel like that type of – coming from that mindset and being that person they feel like they're under attack and and the only reason they feel like they're under attack is because other people are getting the same rights that they have mm-hmm. like that is yeah, somehow exactly taking away their rights or their validity as people because other people now have the same rights or are acknowledged as the same as them um as it continues to change you're going to see uh the people in those powers of position of authority, they don't want to see change because that's the way it's been. Mm-hmm. Now for your typical white male, he's not, when you say the word privileged, he gets upset because he's worked really hard and he lives in the same, you know, trailer park as the minorities or he lives in low income. And so he's sitting there saying like, how am I privileged? Right. And, mm-hmm. and he's getting angry because all of these people are getting attention paid to their plight. And, and in reality, he's, you know, the, this is a topic for a different day, and it's the people no, at the top relevant. turning the people at the bottom against each other and using, you know, race as the driver of that. But mm-hmm. but that guy is going like, how am I privileged? And he just doesn't understand because he can't ever step outside of his white privilege to understand what it's like to not like have things happen specifically because of your skin color. He's yeah. never going to know that. And I feel like they feel like they're an endangered species because other people are getting rights. Now, like, let me make that clear. They are not an endangered species. They feel like they are. They feel like they're being attacked because other segments of the population are getting the same rights as them. I, that's really all it is. I, I feel like that's what it boils down to. Yeah. At the end of the day. No, you're totally right. And I mean, so when you hear people make that argument, because I hear it often, is like, oh, you know, like, I'm a straight white guy, but I grew up in a trailer park. Like I didn't, you know, have this rose colored life come, you know, growing up. And so the, the implication is that just because you're straight and white, that doesn't mean that life is perfect. And we know that of course not yeah. like plenty Absolutely. of, plenty of white men struggle with a variety of, of things every day. I can so tell you many, that firsthand. So many people interpret being born with privilege as being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah. And they're not the same thing at all. But my race, gender, and my sexual orientation are, are three things that are not obstacles in my life that don't make my life more difficult, you know? So if say a gay, me and a gay black female were born into the exact same conditions, the exact same situation, e- equally impoverished, she'd still at least, or I would still at least have my race, my gender and orientation working in my favor where she has those things working against her, you know? So I'm, I at least have like that hand dealt to me i hit the genetic jackpot you know so that like that's gonna be where we're gonna we're gonna differ you know even though we're in shitty situations i still have that going for me where she's got those as obstacles absolutely i mean she can never ever uh you know like like the biggest difference in that scenario to me is you could put on a suit and look the part 
of a different class of person, right? She could put on a suit and she's still going to be looked at exactly the same. And that is the difference between a white <clears throat> male and everybody else is a white male can put on a different outfit and be whatever, you know, whatever his outfit says that he is just based on what he's dressed. Right. And it doesn't yeah. matter if you take any other minority group and do that, they're still going to face the exact same uh, obstacles and, and consequences of their difference uh, because of whatever it is uh, that makes them different from the majority of society. I mean, I got I got to bring up this topic too. Uh, I got a, I work with a trans, a male to male to female trans person, and uh, she's often referred to as an encyclopedia at work. Like she knows every fucking thing about our job, which is the only thing like it. It's very obscure. There's only we're the only people who do our thing our way because we hand built all of our factory. And then everybody who built the factory has then left the company without documenting anything. So like people who have that knowledge in their heads are super valuable. And um, in my opinion, she may, she makes a, a good 10 grand more than me, but she only makes like 10 grand more than me. I think, mm -hmm. you know, uh, exactly. I, I, I get paid pretty well for my three years of being there you know i uh i make a good i make enough money that i'm comfortable and uh she's i mean she's not she doesn't own a house she doesn't uh you know she she, she she's got she's got credit card debt that kind of stuff like everybody does like everybody yeah. but she's only making she's like she's every buddy wants her to be on their team everybody wants to hire her in this uh, all the different departments in this company but she only makes like 10 grand more than me and she's been there like five years longer than me five six years longer than me she's a goddamn genius in this she could go anywhere she wants to if pay was fair you know um and in my opinion make 150 dollars but she doesn't because she can't. Yeah. I was just about to ask you why, but it's just that, that she just feel that she would be cutting her own throat by giving up what she has now and trying to start fresh somewhere else. Well, there's, there's, there's the job factor too. You know, I, I work in a place that was uh, voted one of the, one of the top places to work in the United States for like three or four years running. It's a very uh, progressive, very uh, employee centric workplace. I mean, this whole pandemic, they've bought us, uh, everybody who's down south, everybody who, who's actually working at the two locations that we have, uh, they've provided food every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the for the people who are working there this pandemic. That's awesome. Yeah, wow, that is. Yeah, that's good to hear a company <laughs> doing what they're supposed to be doing during this. Yeah, and they have made it their priority, their their people, their priority, which is one of the reasons I still work there, even though my workplace is a little bit hostile, maybe. Um, but uh, so there's that going for it, which you know that's a, that's a big deal. But also, it's hard to find a workplace. I'm I'm, I'm imagining, um, where you're accepted as you mm -hmm. right everybody knows yeah. her as her and i thought that's what you're getting at yeah mm -hmm. nobody that i know of gives a shit and if anybody did come and give a shit around me 
they'd get a they'd get an earful about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's you know? that's exactly what a lot of people take for granted. And Chris, you had you had touched on it, and I was I wanted to uh, kind of expand on that a little bit. It's this this idea or this misconception that that straight white guys are becoming oppressed and they're the new marginalized group, which I always, I have a hard time staying that with a straight face all the time. Anyway, like when I, whenever I say yeah. men's rights advocates, I can't say it without laughing, but, but his like where it comes from. And, and I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Chris is like, historically we've had everything working for us in our favor, you know, like everything, you know, if, like I said, you, you at least have that hand dealt to you if nothing else. So, there it's it's since the obama administration i don't know if it's because of obama but it's just been the last 10 or 15 years when minorities and other groups have started to receive at least a little even a little bit of clout it feels like like uh we're losing something in the process so it's like uh, kimmel michael kimmel said when i spoke to him he's like when you're used to receiving 95 percent of the attention and now you're only receiving 80 percent of the attention you're going to be under <laughs> the, the delusion that you're being pushed out and ignored you know so yep. and like yes. you said chris it's like um our generation you know we're in our 30s so we saw like our father's generation and our grandfather's generation you know so uh, it- just to touch upon that, I mean, that is where the term the good old boys club comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember stories like my grandpa and my dad used to tell me, like, I remember when we could just do a handshake. Yeah, you could do that when you were white, homie. Like, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no black and Mexican people walking up to a white guy saying, I'll do a handshake and a gut check and we'll, we'll make a deal on this. Yeah, that you know, worked really well for the Native Americans. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't work like that. So, yes, you have this great image of growing up in, you know, and, and we talk about our dads, our dads are both older. You know, my dad was born at 48. Yeah. Um, and, and so they were, they lived through, you know, the sixties, they lived in the fifties and the sixties and they were like front and center for the civil rights stuff and, and all of this stuff. And it, it just didn't really dawn on them because they were not living in that struggle. You know, I, I always think about what it had been like to live in the sixties in America uh-huh. and just everything that was going on. And I really feel like a lot of these people just close their eyes to it. Like mm-hmm. how many people were alive when Martin Luther King was assassinated and, you know, and now everybody like, oh, you know, as society changes, it becomes like, well, my, the way I act has to change, you know, and there's still those people out there. Like my dad always said the N word growing up and he was just this very toxic, masculine type of person. Uh, he's still that guy. He just doesn't say it in front of people now. Like mm-hmm. so, as society changes, and I, and I feel like that's why you have to challenge these people when you do. Like I, at the risk of hurting their feelings, like I feel like challenging them is necessary because the only way we're going to change the status quo is to challenge it. And sure. and, and yeah. I know no better way is that prevalent than than me watching my dad as as times change. He's still the same person behind closed doors. He will still say the same things, but when he's out in public now, he watches himself. And that's mm-hmm. good. That's what needs to happen. If you want to do that, do it behind closed doors. I don't want to hear your stuff, and it's not acceptable in society yeah. anymore. So as we're seeing this, now all of a sudden it's not acceptable for white guys to make those jokes about the woman over there uh, that they work with. All of a sudden it's not acceptable to make uh, racist jokes that, oh, it's all right. I have a black friend, and he thinks it's funny. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff is going out the window because that's that 
that good old boys, uh, you know, male white privilege mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like when you said that about like, you know, why am I living in a trailer park? I've worked my ass off. I did everything that my father, my grandfather did. And in like they lived in suburbia and I'm living in a, a trailer park surrounded by Mexicans and black people. And that's and that's that's the idea that like when you feel like you've gotten a raw deal, it's because that's for them. You know, that's that that wasn't supposed to be for me. Like as a white guy, I deserve better than this. Like I it's my birthright to mm-hmm. to to have gotten better than this. Like I don't want to be at the depths of of where like Mexicans and black people are. And we were we were told growing up, you know, like every and, and this is a strictly uh, white household dream, man. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like every parent says this to their kids, but like how many parents can follow through every, every parent. I mean, growing up, it's like, I want you to have a better life than me. I want yeah, you to have a better life. Right. And now, you know, here we are, this generation of, of, of white guys in their, you know, late twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, uh, who've been, who have been told that their whole lives. And all of a sudden, uh, the economy, um, and you know, Everything looks different. Inflation looks different. The way that the wealth is distributed top to bottom looks much different than when your your parents and my parents went and bought their first house. Yeah, exactly. They could work and and stay at home. So that's part of it is, you know, they, they feel marginalized because they're all these other people are getting rights. And then all of a sudden, like my parents said that I was supposed to get, have it better than they did. And it's not turning out that way. And they're mad at the wrong people. They need to be mad at the people that are consolidating right. the wealth at the top instead of minorities. Minorities have right. nothing to do with wh- why you're being held down. Yeah, you know what I like mean? Reagan is the one who shipped your jobs overseas, not lesbians, <laughs> you know? Like, and I mean, when you, that's right though, isn't it? Like they're totally delivering their mail to the wrong address. Like they're, they're mad at the wrong fucking people. And it's like, it's like a white dude in suburbia has way more in common with, <laughs> with a uh, lower, you know, uh, low income minority than they're ever going to have in common with Donald Trump. You know what I mean? And, 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 and to me, the, the whole the whole hypocrisy of it is Donald Trump is literally the guy that's trying to keep the middle class down <laughs> and, and the majority of his white supporters like he is your enemy, but he has convinced you to turn around and get mad at minorities. It's yeah. just the biggest like sham. You know, I've ever where seen. are his clothes made? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, that, that that's the only counter you need for that whole argument is where are his it. clothes made? I don't get it. Where are his exactly. clothes made? Now, Trump's got a clothing line, and all the clothes are made in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, America first, though, right? right. America first, but well, I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, and I mean, and, that's... And, and yeah, and he'll tell you, you know, oh, it's because it's a better business decision, yada yada, and he gets a pass because of that. And really, if he was really honestly. America first, he would have his shit made in America. Yeah. But you know how that works. It's, it's turning a blind eye. I mean, it's still exploiting yeah. slave labor just out of sight, out of mind, you know? And I mean, that's how Trump appealed to these people by disguising himself as a populist, but just typing, tapping into white nationalism. And that's why, <laughs> like, I, and, and maybe I'm painting with too broad of a brush, I don't know, but like, that's why I've basically just kind of chosen to to disassociate myself with the tr- any Trump supporters because I feel like when I see a Trump flag or a Trump sticker or any kind of swag or anything like that, I feel like it's white racist people just winking at each other like, yeah, we know what's up, kind of like you're saying about your dad behind closed doors. It's like behind closed doors, you know what those fucking people talk about, you know, and the kind of things that they say. 
And I think that that's the demographic of people that he panders to. And they they scapegoat globalism and, you know, in a in a way like global globalism is a good thing because we're not just going to we're, we're going to be a global economy, whether we like it or not. Like um, we're not just going to be we're not going we're not going backwards in time. No, yeah, no, we're not. We're, we're not really going to progressively become more of a world. economy. Yeah, yes. we're not going to just yeah. be an isolated uh, economy in the U.S. anymore. So like in the grand scheme of things, globalism is a good thing because it's it's showing that, um, you know, everybody's kind of getting their hands in the pot. But it looks like in the in the, uh, you know, in the immediate effects of that, it looks like, you know, the people who used to get the most are now getting shortchanged, if that makes any sense. And when they can't explain any of it away, logically or rationally, that's where conspiracy theories come in. And because you don't have to, you know, you don't have to actually provide any evidence for a conspiracy theory because, hey, it's a conspiracy theory. Like if I had the evidence, it wouldn't be a conspiracy theory. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's the you know that that unconscious need or that unconscious any any component of a conspiracy theory there's an unconscious faith component in there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know. So I was going to um, go ahead, Ricky. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Uh just that, that 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 that's why it's so hard to argue with them is because at some point it becomes that well, I don't need to have evidence because this is what I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Right. Well, see, and they put the burden of proof on you. They're like, well, prove to me that there's not a secret organization that's pulling the strings. <laughs> and it's like, and no, answer, dude, you can't like that it should just be like prove to me there's not a microscopic flying teacup orbiting the earth. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like saying the that, flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. That's yeah. like saying that the reason that you don't see elephants and trees is just because they're really good at hiding. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so I'm going to read you the rest of that that Facebook post or that message that that guy sent me getting back to. Well, we sidetracked. A lot. Oh, no, dude, Sorry. it's it's great. <laughs> so um, the next paragraph, he says. Maybe it's OK for people to complain about their fandoms. I know you have things about shows, comics and such that you haven't fully embraced or talked about. Also, it isn't just a straight white guy thing. There are tons of people, races, sexes, genders, etc., unhappy with the direction that star wars has taken just because there are kids in africa that are living in poverty with no food doesn't make my long day at work and flat tire any less to bitch about it may it may be a first world problem but it's not a straight white guy thing your stance implies that all energy from everyone should be focused on non-trivial things where are your receipts i don't understand that where are your receipts but um, <laughs> but I mean, that just goes back to what I was saying, though, about like when your argument, for example, is including non-binary characters in Star Wars, and that's what you're going to be upset about. So upset that you're completely giving up the franchise, like your life must be pretty fucking comfortable for a grown ass man to be upset that his secondary comic book character or <laughs> fantasy character is going to be like something outside the norm, like. You sound like a soft little pussy. But but I, I, I agree. I think that really ties back to maybe, you know, you, you touched upon it with Ricky is like not every subject deserves a mic. And, and it yeah. really doesn't. Just because you feel like your experience, your experiences weren't you falling into some victimhood, like that doesn't give you a right to have some platform to speak from. And, and it really, it, it gives your 
just because you have that platform, it also gives your subject matter zero relevance. Yeah. Yeah. One something that Ricky made actually a really good point when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, he said that that maybe they shouldn't be given given like a, a platform on a on a on a like a large stage. But like maybe on a one on one, like it's still relevant to talk to them and talk about that, those, you know, have those discussions, but not to treat them as equally important or equally relevant, you know. Right. And that's what I was just going to say is if you're for me, these are two different things, right? If you're talking with person X, say like coworker Y, and they say something like what was said to you, you know, meet them at that level, talk to them at that yeah. level, be that person. But we don't have to put you know, uh, we don't have to put that person on Fox News and let them fucking talk for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I feel like that's all Fox News does anyway. It's just well, that's why I use it as the example. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, he finishes by saying, oh, shit, I just checked my email and found the memo that said that due to my whiteness, I'm no longer allowed to have an opinion about fandoms anymore. <clears throat> Following the decree of the white knights stating that I must dedicate a percent of my complaining. Oh, never mind. All of my complaining to less trivial things. Unless oh I'm, boy, that's he's uh, such a signaler. White right, knights. he says. Unless well I'm virtue signaling, yeah. So the last, you know, to to address that last statement there, it's not that your opinion doesn't matter. It's just dead weight. The way I see it. S- several months ago, this same guy argued with me about a post I made, saying that the '50s weren't as as great as people make them out to be because of racism, things like racism. And he told me he said that racism now isn't the it's not a, as big a deal as people make it out to be this was right after everything happened with george floyd and he's like he said that he thinks it's blown out of proportion and racism isn't as big a deal nowadays as people make it out to be and in my opinion <laughs> gone are the days that a straight white guy gets to decide how big of a problem racism and discrimination is you know so it's less yeah. about it's less about not wanting to hear your perspective from a straight white guy and more just not about wanting to hear a conservative perspective. So this is, we're going to go completely off subject with this, but uh, Let's do it. this is, this is a fun thing for me when people talk about um, the electoral college, <clears throat> you know, people say, but why do we want to give the big cities power over places like Wyoming? Cause that's where all the fucking people are. Well, shit, you know, they, they were talking, well, I was talking about, hey, we would accept Weld County, Colorado into, into West, no problem if Weld County decided to, to become part of Wyoming. We would have doubled. Just one county out of Colorado would have doubled <laughs> Weld's the huge, population man. of Wyoming. Yeah, but yep. Does a population that small deserve to have as much say as a population of, like, L.A.? I, I, to me, the... the the answer to this is that land doesn't vote. It right. doesn't matter how much land mass you have. Land is not being represented in Congress. Like mm-hmm. that's not what that's there for. You're there to represent the people. And so, if the majority of the people are congregated in, you know, different areas, that area needs to be more representative of the population. Yeah, exactly. And the, con- the, the, right. the counter argument to this would be something like, uh, "But we live. We don't live in a direct democracy. We live in a representative democracy." So let's change it. Well, well, I mean, or we, we, we could do that, or we could say something like, you know, cool, but does the opinion of Wyoming have as much the sway way, as the yeah. opinion of, uh, you know, California, uh, New York, 
uh, any of those other cities where there's billions of dollars more made economically. Well, and more diversity uh, too. Yeah, there's there's millions more people. Uh, I mean, if and 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 this is being cruel and being uh, very reductive, uh, but just being absolutely coldly logical about it. If we had the if we had the problem of the train, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the the, the morality of the train can go one way and flatten five people or one way and flatten oh, right. one person. Which okay. one do you pick? Right. You have to pick one. I'm going to say sorry, Wyoming. You're going to one's going to get flattened. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it right. sucks. And the and I think that also plays into how politics are played as well in Washington when you have people representing a small um, constituency like Wyoming uh-huh. and they go in there and no, none of you know Wyoming's constituents are going to want their congressman or their senator to make a big fuss about global warming because if you live in the middle of Wyoming you don't see air pollution you don't you're sitting there you know as somebody who is doesn't think out critically sight, or mind. doesn't have internet connection you haven't realized that you know the world's bigger than just your little backyard in Wyoming mm-hmm. and so you go to you know either coast and then that's where you start seeing air pollution and things like that and you go that's a big concern but the people in the middle of the country they're going what are you talking about we don't see that well you don't live in big cities yeah. you don't live in highly populated areas there's not great manufacturing happening you, you know lots of manufacturing lots of pollutants going into the air now if you live in California you have to worry about that stuff and that's why mm-hmm. California tries to pass these laws because of their air quality so the difference is there's more people in california than in wyoming and the laws need to be representative of where the population is at. yeah yeah one what's ironic about that is is it's you know wyoming doesn't experience the air pollution that those places do like you're saying but like i uh, i I know a guy that lives in wyoming and he was going to be going to california for um like five months for work for some training and he was talking about like how he was just going to roll coal all, all over California because his emissions are from Wyoming, so they can't do anything to him. And it's interesting because it's like the reason that Cal- a place like California has the problem that it does with smog and air pollution and that sort of thing is because there was a time when nobody was restricting or regulating emissions, you know, and... So they've gotten to a point where they do. The government does have to crack down on emissions in a place like California, but in Wyoming, it, you know, it's it's not as heavily regulated for the reasons that you're saying because it's like you could throw a stone and not hit anybody. So, but, yeah, good luck doing that in L.A. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then you'd get shot. Yep, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, do you guys do you think that there's anybody that that is a lost cause? Any person? Yeah, or any type of person that's a lost cause where it's like, yeah, like having a conversation with this person is just not, not going to do I anything. Honestly For sure. About baby boomers. I, 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 I got to disagree with you. I mean, I, I only have one specific case, but it's, it's a specific case. It's my dad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I was in high school, he would, t- he told me, I don't know why any thinking person would ever vote Democrat. Right. And he mm-hmm. voted for Barack Obama twice and he voted for, uh, Biden twice. Right. He doesn't like everything Biden's doing. He told us at lunch the other day that uh, he was super worried about how Biden's going to be uh, changing his, oh, what's it called? The, the inheritance tax laws. 
you know, he's worried for, and, and, it, and it boils down to he's worried for us and he wants us to get as much money out of his death as we can um, when all of his stuff gets passed on to us. But, you know, we talked about it for a bit and my little brother and I were both like, you know, how do you expect to pay for shit like, you know, all these new bridges and the the internet infrastructure and replacing all the lead pipes and the, you know, in the ground and all this shit? How do you expect to pay for all this if we don't use taxes? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we eventually ended it, you know, just with him saying, well, you know, I guess that's your generation's decision, but uh, at the same time, I would like a little bit less taxes, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he comes around to it and he's, uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, you can have an honest discussion and be like, no, 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 no. I really think you're wrong. Uh, with a lot of, with, with, with most things, some things you can't, but that's everybody, you know? But, and I, I think that's, I think that's awesome that you can have those conversations with your dad. I, my personal experience is just completely the opposite. I mean, like you can throw logic at my dad all day long and he's just uh-huh. going to tell you how it's flawed logic. Sure. You, you know, and, and so my experience with baby boomers comes from people like my dad and his friends and they're just so set in their ways. It's almost like it's just a lost call. I guess what I'm saying is um, the only generality that I try to have is that generalities are bad black and white <laughs> you know right you know so so saying like uh you know i don't for me saying things like i i personally have written off all baby boomers the same thing as saying like and, and this is you know way more drastic and way more blown out there's the same thing as saying like i've written off all white people or i've written off all all women or all asians or whatever you know it's it's equally um prejudicial you know, there's always going to be those people that you can actually fucking talk to, that you can actually have a good conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, yeah, there are a hundred percent people that just you can't talk to. Hundred percent, whether that's because you and them don't get along, because they are not going to fucking see your side of the picture, anything like that. It's you know, there's a hundred percent people that are like that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that like I I love that that line of thinking because uh, as much as you want to, and that's what we do as human beings, right? Is we see something, we experience something so many times that Mm -hmm. our subconscious just goes, okay, that's the way the world is, Uh, you know, and that's not, there is no such thing as always or never, you know what I mean? So um, I think that's a great way of thinking about it is you're going to lose an opportunity to maybe have a real conversation and maybe, enlighten yourself as well you know and that's not to say that you can't sit down and talk with somebody that completely has a different mindset from you and maybe come away with you know a different perspective yourself um so i think that's good to just not close yourself off to any group of people and just automatically say well all white people are this or all black people are this it's the exact same broad uh painting with a brush that's just really not how you it's not a an efficient way of progress being made. right yeah yeah yeah, like uh, it brings to mind this, and this is this is just a story, this encounter that I had with uh, my neighbor's tenant, the guy whose house burned down last night or yesterday. Chance, yeah, um, not all the way down, but you know, uh, he had a tenant that was just this. Uh, she was a really nice lady. She'd come over, she'd hang out with Cody and help Cody watch the kids when they were out front. You know, she's a nice lady. Uh, and then those kids who live across the street from me moved in, 
and uh, you know they have all those humongous trucks and she's just she comes over to my house one day and she didn't like him over there i don't really care but she she didn't like him over there and she said something like uh oh all those kids over there oh they're all mexicans and i was like what have you been over there and she's like no but you can just tell from their cars and they're lifted f-350s <laughs> and i was just like what like have you been over there and she goes no and i was like well they're all they're all you know they're all they're all white kids you know not a one of them i don't think is, is mexican or black or or anything like that you know they're all white kids they might be mexican and i just can't tell because there's you know they're light-skinned but you know they don't look like mexicans I'm, and and yeah. she's oh we got in this big argument and i eventually was like well look that's pretty fucking bigoted for you to say that. And she got mad and she left. And then like a week later, she came over and she's like, you know what? I want you to know I'm not racist. My husband was from Cuba. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was still pretty racist. It's, it, it's an unconscious thing. Everybody has an unconscious amount of racism in them. Or biasy. A bias. Yeah. 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 I remember when I was a kid, like, and I was, I was going somewhere with a friend one time and I, his parents were driving us. And I remember we were at a light. And there was a, an Escalade that was like a brand new Escalade in Mexico. There was a Mexican family driving it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the, the dad or the mom maybe even said, um, well, you can see where their <clears throat> welfare check went to. And it's like, mm-hmm. you don't know these people from fucking Adam, but you're just assuming that because they're, they're ethnic and they're driving a nice vehicle, that they're yeah. working, the, they're gaming the system somehow and they're pissing away welfare money, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it's those kind of mindsets that it's, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize and just say that like all people are this way, but like, I, I think that it's more difficult in general to like kind of sway the older people are to a, in in a certain direction because like they're, you know, they, they just become set in their ways. It's just like health, you know, like you're I, I would never count on on an unhealthy 70-year-old or even a 60-something changing their, their dieting habits, really, or starting to exercise every day because that, you know, that's just what they—this is the way that they've always lived. This is what they're accustomed to, and why change it now, especially if they're retired and they don't owe anybody anything, you know? Mm-hmm. But It's definitely going to be way harder. Yeah. It is. And, and that's not to say, you know, I was a personal trainer for a while, and I had— 60 and 70 year old clients you know it's not to say that you know people can't change and i think that's the most important thing to remember is that everybody can change they just have to make that conscious decision to do it they have to consciously change their subconscious yeah right well and it's it all always comes back to ego too you know i mean like your ego is fighting for survival anytime that you find yourself uncomfortable. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I forgot to tell you guys, uh, another, another thing that occurred that kind of prompted this, this discussion, uh, about a month and a half ago, I was, um, on a work trip and we went into a Starbucks and it was me and two other guys, straight white dudes. And, uh, they were both asked, on a couple of occasions to pull their masks up, right? Because they, like, and I was watching them, like, he was walking around, talking on the phone with his mask pulled down. And uh, we get back to the car, and he says, I think that they were only just pointing out white white men. And I'm like, or, and hear me out, or 
maybe they were just pointing out the people that had their masks down. I wish I would have brought this up earlier because it went along better with our conversation about like being triggered and being snowflakes. But like, I can't think of anything more sensitive than that. You know, somebody being more triggered. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I, tell you who it I, was I, later, Ricky. And like, you're not going to be surprised <laughs> who it was. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> it's that's so funny to me because it's just like why what i mean uh, the lack of self-awareness that that shows yeah is hilarious well i think that we say again i i i wanted to touch on one more thing with that yeah man so i i talked to my fiance's brother uh about us doing this about me coming on here and talking about this subject and he kind of uh, he's progressive, but he kind of started talking about, um, you know, he he kind of took some turns that I really wasn't expecting. And I wanted to kind of address some of the things that he said. And the biggest yeah. one to me was he, he noted that uh, the suicide rate for white males has increased exponentially uh, 2019-2020. And so uh, after he said that, I went out and just kind of looked at some of the data and that, you know, the numbers support the the percentages and which i i can't remember at this point and it really doesn't matter like what the percentages are but there is an uptick in white male suicide um and for me it kind of all plays together into um i i feel like it all boils down to white men that feel marginalized are uh, allowing themselves to play the victim card and so when you start playing the victim card it's really easy to justify doing crazy things and i think on top of uh, feeling victimized by society changing, um, you know, that causes an uptick in, in suicide, but also, you, you know, your hero, your, your guy that was supposed to like turn back time and bring Golden back calf. this, this nationalistic white America, you know, the Christian conservative white America, he failed, he got beat, he lost. Right. And so that just, that just feeds into the victimhood of like, and to be honest, like, I don't, I don't think this, this Trump thing is over. It, it is kind of scary. You kind of look at the beginnings of Nazi Germany and Hitler and, yeah. you know, he was doing the same things, man. Like, let's pick one group of people and let's just target them and let's blame all of our issues on them. And then we can get people to do stuff like try and, you know, take over the capital. Like, it's crazy. Like, we're living in a very precarious time right now. And we're in a very sensitive time where if this victimhood of these white males that feel marginalized continues and if they they keep you know being fed this fodder by these far right people like Trump and all of those people who still have control in the GOP somehow um you know like it's just going to get worse you're going to convince these people uh that it's acceptable to take back their country right and and, mm -hmm. and that's the whole thing and and when they say their country they're talking about a country where white males are in charge of everything and and i kind of feel like that's what they mean when they say make america great again absolutely and so now that's you my have design these white... i'm sorry go ahead no man i was i was just agreeing with you go ahead yeah and so to me it all boils down to white men making themselves the victim and once you make yourself the victim, like you can, the atrocities that you can, can commit are just crazy. Yeah, I well, really feel like you know what happened with the Jews during Nazi Germany is when you demonize somebody and you make them subhuman, 
you take away any sort of guilt or regret or remorse of doing bad things to them because they're more like animals than they are people. Absolutely. You yeah. lose, you lose your empathy. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, and to go along with, with, uh, your comparison to Hitler, you know, a lot of people don't really think about what, what Hitler was doing, um, pre Nazi era and, and kind of what led him down that path. And I know that he spent he he first tried his hand at trying to be an artist, and he was in Vienna trying to be an artist, and he failed at that. Mm-hmm. And so I know that created some inadequacy. But I know that what he did at that point is he just spent a lot of time. He was unemployed, obviously wasn't doing his art, and so he spent a lot of time going around to cafes and and pubs, and he was reading a lot of these manifestos from um, cultural leaders in the area that were talking speaking directly to him about you know like um the german man or the austrian man is 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 getting you know he's not getting his due and he's getting uh completely passed over and there was a uh, a there was a a group of people to put that blame on and that was the jews and so i guess what i'm getting at with that is like this was somebody who wasn't doing anything constructive with his time. He, you know, he was disenfranchised from being an artist. He was wasn't working. He wasn't in the military at that point. And so, what what did he spend his time doing? He spent his time reading these these rants from from people that were playing the blame game on on who was keeping them down. And he was listening to the recordings from these people. And so that when you just are in that you know pattern of like hey like i'm just sitting around all day listening to this vitriolic toxic shit telling me who i can blame except for myself like that sounds pretty fucking familiar you know Uh and um the thing about conspiracy theorists like again we're we're you know kind of generalizing but i don't really feel too bit bad about this like when you look at a lot of the the character traits that a lot of these guys have well first of all they're mostly guys second of all they they're like really mediocre guys and they don't really have you know that's their they their jobs are just kind of middle of the road they you know and i think that that's where they find a lot of their meaning is they feel like they're part of a community that's contributing to something where they're staying on top of things they're staying informed and they're they're following they're going down the rabbit hole and connecting all these imaginary dots and, and can explain what's going on with America or what's wrong with America. And they can put all the blame on, on usual, usually left-leaning, um, you know, groups of people. And uh, that, that does that same thing. Like you're taking, you're taking a group of people that in general just are, are, they're not very extraordinary people. They don't do anything very interesting. So they get their sense of meaning from following these conspiracy theories. And it, just creates a lot of toxicity. And, and once you believe something, um, you're just going to go out and search for more stuff that yep. reaffirms. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I, and I kind of feel like that's, you know, I have conservative, you know, being in the Marine Corps, I still have, you know, my buddies I was in the Marine Corps with uh, friends on Facebook. And it's inevitably always one of them that posts some like stupid conservative crap or something about trump and it just like it upsets me um but but at at the same time like that it has to occur you know what i mean like um you can't just run and hide from those people 
And I think that that's how you keep a well-balanced point of view is you don't just listen to the people that agree with you all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to go and listen to the people that are saying the stuff that you think is crazy and you have to try and, and listen. I I think that's all a part of critical thinking is like uh, somebody who's truly empathetic is going to go out of their way to try and understand the other person's point of view Mm -hmm. before they just say, okay, yeah, like that's just asinine. Well, and that's what I admired. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. You know, you can just love them through it instead of just calling them an ass. You yeah. Just, you know, like. So. And that's what I admired about Michael Kimball and, and his approach to that book is he he took it with empathy and he, he took that approach as an empathetic approach. And he said, you know, like, yeah, I think that maybe you guys have gotten a raw deal, but I think you're delivering your mail to the wrong address. And I want to know why you think it's it's minorities that are keeping you down as opposed to looking at. You know, like like I said, the Reagan administration in the '80s shipping your job overseas, um, and that, that's the fact like who they the minimum wage yeah, is and they still seven twenty five. That that's who they hold as the gold standard in conservatism is Ronald Reagan. So I find that a lot. I, I find a lot of irony in that. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what I was going to say, but yeah, do you guys have anything else? No, man, I'm good. All right. Well, it's been I a good think, talk. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I just really wanted to get to that, you know, to, to kind of just round it out with, you know, my, you know, my overall view of this as somebody who's been that type of uh, toxic masculine type of person. And I can't say that I'm not that still, man, I still have testosterone. I still, you know, you still want to be big and tough. I, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things. The only difference is now I can realize where those are coming from. They're not coming from me, right? Like I am not wanting this stuff just for no reason. Like there's no inherent, you know, natural drive in me to be, you know, the bigot to dominate and do all of this stuff. Now, from a survival standpoint, I can understand that. But as, as, and this is the other thing is that toxic masculinity, as, as we change and we progress and we evolve, those traits aren't needed anymore, right? Yeah, we don't right. need the hunter to go out and do those things anymore. And we don't need that, that testosterone driven, you know, that was necessary in the past for survival. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. And the people that are having a hard time adjusting are the people that are more filled and more prone to being that hunter type mm-hmm. of testosterone or what they call the alpha. Um, you know, it's those type of people because they aren't evolving uh, like the rest of society. is. Yeah. When it's the same kind of guys that I talk to who, when they, they talk about like the ideal woman that they eventually want to end up with and get married to. And they, they're always talking about this very, very traditional sense of a woman where it's like, yeah, you know, like I just, you know, I, I, I want a woman who wants to take care of the household and, and raise, <laughs> raise the kids and shit. And I'm like, all right, man, good luck with that. Like, cause yeah. if well, I, I don't, I wouldn't want that as, has that. yeah. I mean, so that's like, unless a little girl gets that beat into her head, like what what little girl that hasn't had something like that beat into her head yeah. is going to be like, I just want to grow up and stay home and take care of kids. Like, no, that's not that was pushed on you by society. Yeah. Well, in like these guys, though, they see that as like the natural roles. That's just the the roles that we should instinctually take as men and women. And, you know, he's like, and I, you know, I, I want to be the strong protector and 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 make all the big decisions and everything while she supports me and i'm like dude like good luck with that because i don't think that those roles are as prominent as they used to be and like what you're saying about like with the alpha male thing like i 
like when we go on deployments for work and stuff, I'll kind of stand back and observe that. And I see it going on. And it's kind of interesting how you, you, you watch that form where everybody's kind of testing what their limits are or testing like what they can, um, like how they can exert themselves how, how far or they can push yeah, them, yeah over other how people they can push the envelope. and you'll you'll absolutely see like one guy become the alpha chimp over these other dudes and it's like yeah like you said like in nature yeah that might have might have uh, had its role or it still has its role like in the animal kingdom like like i said chimps like that still is a thing but like I would like to think that we've evolved past that and it's not really a thing anymore. And when you detach yourself from it, I was just going to say, when you detach yourself from it and you decide, yeah, you guys, you, you do that. Like if that's what you want to do, like do the whole like alpha male, beta male thing, I'm just going to not do any of it. And I'm going to stand over here and do my own thing. It's interesting to see how they are even more threatened with that. It's like, no, you need to be part of this, this click or you're against us. And there's a there's like a, a bitterness that goes along with that. Like even if you're just minding your own business, you know, it's the group think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, well, and, and honestly, in the 21st century, in a technologically driven world economy, OK, those traits are more of a hindrance than anything else. The, the people that are starting multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies like they aren't like they don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Right. Like they're, they don't look like the these they don't look like Lou Ferrigno. It was the guy that got beaten up by the alpha male. Exactly. They can outthink the alpha male. They're, they're stronger in their minds than they are in their body. And, And that's becoming like the days of like, well, I can take what I want because I am the alpha because I have more testosterone and I'm stronger. Like that's going by the wayside. And I kind of feel like that's what the United States, you know, that's the way we've been like American exceptionalism. We're the biggest guy on the block. We protect people. We take what we want. We do all this stuff. And, and that's not what's leading the world now. You know what I mean? Like the leading, you know, the countries around the world that have great education, that have low infant mortality rates, that have uh, universal health care. Like those people are getting away from this type of thinking, whereas it feels like our society, like a, 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 at least half for judging by, you know, the, the, the votes collected in this country, at least half of our country still thinks that that's the way to go is like, we need to be big, strong, toxic, masculine. Like we're going to beat up people if they don't do stuff. And like, that's just not the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a really great chat. You guys, I'm really happy that you were able to, we were co- able to coordinate our schedules to make this happen. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again with you guys. So, so you know where to find us, punk journalism.com, facebook.com slash punk journalism, twitter.com slash punk journalism, or look us up on Instagram. Thanks. By the way, those pictures that you sent me of you and the chaps. Yeah. A plus. Yeah? Yeah. I think those are hilarious. Thank you. I'm glad because yeah. I don't want people to think I was just like, <laughs> hey, here's my package. But it like I did want to be like, hey, here's my package, but in a funny way. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs>